Hey, this is Gratuitous. Welcome to Music Production Made Simple, the show that focuses on best practices about music production, which is based on FL Studio. If you're wanting to become the best producer you could be, subscribe and listen weekly. You can also check out my courses, which teach you the principles and basics of music production. They'll get you up and running quickly. In addition, I also have books on Amazon and tons of music on Spotify. Always feel free to hit me up at hi at itsgratuitous.com. So let's get into the episode. All right, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 20. This episode is called Golden Rules of Mixing and Mastering. I'm just going to be covering some of uh, some golden rules that I've discovered over the years, whether that be through watching YouTube tutorials or reading things online or just kind of trial and error through myself as well. I have actually talked about these three main points uh, in episode number 11. So if you haven't checked that out, I'm going to be covering it again here. And the reason is because they are so powerful. They've allowed me to make way wiser mixing decisions. They've allowed me to uh, be faster as well as make more accurate judgment uh, in my choices. Okay, so those three points are level matching, A and B comparison, as well as mixing and solo. Okay, these are things that, uh, that you want to use and be careful of. Before we get into this episode... I have huge news. I actually released my 10 steps to become an FL Studio Pro. And for those of you who are listening, I'm offering you guys a coupon. Just use the coupon 10 steps. So that's one zero S T E P S. Come to itsgratuitous.com. Click on the courses. You guys will see 10 steps to become an FL Studio Pro. It is an eight hour long course. Uh, Again, I purchased a new camera. I had a green screen. I was able to draw on the screen for you guys. It was a really, really cool experience. I actually had a lot of fun creating the course and it's really, really in depth. So, you know, what is the skill level? It's from someone who's a beginner or even someone who is advanced. Okay. So at the very, very beginning of the course, you know, we, we actually talk about what is FL Studio, what is music production, how to actually use FL Studio, but then we actually start progressing quite fast we start getting into some more meat you know for example we talk about drum loops how to build awesome drum loops i introduce you to safe spots that's just a term that i've coined i've even written a book about that on amazon uh and then further on we got we finally get into like the mastering and i actually do like drawing on the screen and i explain to you about like the loudness wars loudness normalization and getting your music to compete with you know the music that's out there in the industry we even go through one of my commercially released tracks i walk you through Uh, what like my mastering chain was the different tools you have for mastering it was a really really cool course okay so again it's an eight hour long course that's by far my longest course and again i had a lot of fun creating it with all the new equipment so again one more time so use the coupon 10 steps that's one zero s-t-e-p-s that goes for the single course purchase or the membership okay so you guys will get 50 percent off by using that coupon on the single course purchase and if you guys just want to do like the membership so the membership is ten dollars a month uh this coupon can also be applied to the membership where the first month will only be five dollars instead of ten dollars okay so let's get into the episode okay so i want to talk to you about three main golden rules which i've kind of discovered over the years whether again whether this be i've learned from somebody else i just want to pass this information on to you super valuable so the first one is level matching okay so when you are let's say using an EQ or a compressor, it's extremely important that you level match. So what that means is when the plugin is off or on, it's the, you know, you want to get it to a very, very similar volume. If it's not, you're going to be skewed towards the louder one. Okay. And it's very, very deceiving. Uh, Just because something is loud, typically we think it's better and it's true. Okay. Try it yourself. You're going to be swayed towards the louder one. So now I don't want you to spend tons of time tweaking this, you know, 
because you're never going to finish a mix. It's just important that as you're mixing that track that you are getting a fair volume comparison so that when you turn those effects off and on that, you know, it's a fair volume comparison so that you can actually hear in a real world practice, for example, let's say you were listening to your whole mix and let's say you were working on a piano, you applied some EQ. Um, now, when you turn those your effects off and on for that piano within the whole mix, you want to be able to reference before and after at a fair volume comparison. It's that simple, okay? So I have FL Studio open here and what I've done is I've applied heavy compression onto this track and I've turned down the volume, okay? So the loud version is the original master of the song. The song is called My Heart is Sold. It is off my Beat Tapes by Gratuitous Volume 8. If you'd like to check it out, it's available for free download at gratuitousbeats.com. The original version is the actual official master, okay? And then when I enable the compressor, you're going to hear that the volume comes down in volume. Obviously, you know, that's what compression does. Uh, there's different forms of compression. There's like upwards compression and downwards compression. But typically when you hear the word uh, compressor and stuff like that, most people are talking about downwards compression. So when I enable the compressor, I want you to think which one is better. So when I turn the compressor on and off, I want you to listen closely and think to yourself, which one sounds better? And the thing is, you won't be able to tell because of the volume difference. So let's just listen, okay? So this is the original master. When I turn the compressor on, it's going to turn down in volume and just listen for what you think is better. Okay, so when it's louder, it's like, you know, maybe it actually kind of sounded like the loud one was overprocessed, right? But if we actually listen to this compression at a fair volume comparison to what I originally had, you'll hear that the compressed version, I'm compressing it very hard. Like I have a 2.75 uh, to one ratio. I'm at like um, minus 15 decibels on my threshold. My attacks pretty fast at like 11 milliseconds and then my releases pretty fast too. Okay, so this time we're gonna do another comparison. This time the volumes are very, very similar. Now, what I want you to listen for is in the original version, listen to like the kick and like the clap. And just in general, the music breathes a lot more. Like when I first listened to this master, like before I started making this episode here, I kind of thought to myself, I was like, ooh, maybe I push that, you know, that master a little hard, like a little hot. But then with this compressor on, you'll hear that the clap and the kick are just being processed, you know, they're being squashed so hard, okay? So again, we're gonna to listen to the before and after. It's a fair volume comparison, so now we can actually hear what we're actually doing to our music in the case of this single band compressor, okay? So I'm gonna play it without the compression on. Again, that's the original master. I'm gonna enable the compressor. It's at a fair volume comparison. Just listen to that kick and clap, especially when I uh, disable the compressor. Instantly, you're gonna hear that it opens up. The clap, you know, actually has like its transients and stuff like that, okay? So this is the original right here. Compression is on. Okay, so it may have been a little hard to hear, uh, but what I heard was when I disabled uh, the compressor, I heard that clap and the kick and really like the whole song just opened up. Another thing too is I can actually see when the compressor is enabled and disabled, so it's a little bit hard for you. That's why I started actually saying disabled or enabled. But hopefully that kind of gives you a little reference point in terms of uh, 
loudness, okay, in terms of like level matching. So it's really important that you actually level match so that you can get a fair volume comparison. If you don't level match, you're going to be skewed towards the louder one, whether that is actually good or bad, okay? Now, the next point I want to talk about is A and B comparison. So most plugins nowadays, now not all plugins, but many plugins, uh, many EQs and many compressors, they have an A and B comparison, okay? So what that means is kind of like uh, you have two versions that you can reference in between. So for the for example, like in the case of, let's say, uh, Pro-C by FabFilter or even like the Fruity Limiter or, uh, you know, these are FL Studio plugins now. So the Fruity Limiter is, is with FL Studio or the Parametric EQ2. These have an A and B comparison. And it's really important that you do have like two different states. Now, I don't do this all the time, but more so in like the mastering stage, I will actually use the A and B comparison. And again, you want to make sure that you're level matching there too. So when you switch between, you know, A to B, that, you know, first of all, it's a fair comparison. And what I'll typically do, and like, let's just talk about a compressor in mastering. So on the A, I might have like a low threshold. Let's say it's like, you know, minus 26, for example, I'll have a ratio and I'll put it to like, let's say like, you know, 1.15 to one around there. Again, mastering, we're using very, very light ratios. So here's a cool little trick. So once you have your... A setup. Most of these plugins have like a copy function. So I would actually hit copy. Okay. Then I'd go to B. And now when I go to B, it's the exact same settings as A. Okay. And then I'll actually, you know, uh, tweak this differently uh, just to get a different flavor of, well, what does it sound like now? Because so on A, I said like minus 26 threshold, right? So let's say we go to B and let's just say I bring that threshold up to like, let's say minus 14, for example. But now I go a bit more heavy on the ratio. Let's say like, you know, 1.3 or something like that. And maybe I can bring that attack a little bit uh, faster. Um, and then again, just, you know, a fair volume comparison. And I'll just play back and forth with that. And I'll just listen what suits the song and, you know, what kind of different styles can I get out of that compressor for that song? Um, the biggest thing I found over the years is just playing around with these tools just to listen for what do you like? And again, when, and then if I would turn the compressor off and on, I'm listening to like a fair volume comparison. So before compression and then with compression, and then I'll also use the A and B. So it's like one type of compression versus another type of compression in a sense of, you know, we went like low threshold like let's say minus 26 then we had like a low ratio like 1.15 and then on the b let's just say we went to like minus 16 and then we went 1.3 to 1 for your ratio uh just for example okay so that's kind of like my mindset when i'm actually like mastering a track and using a single band compressor the last uh, point I want to talk about in this episode is mixing in solo okay so this doesn't really relate to the mastering but mixing in solo is extremely dangerous uh, in my early years, I've wasted so much time here. Uh, for example, let's say I'm working on like a kick drum. So in your early years, uh, what you're going to do is you're going to solo up that kick drum. You're going to open up an EQ, a compressor. You're going to twiddle these knobs forever. And if you're like me, sometimes you're even, you know, tweaking a compressor and, you know, you're tweaking it for like a minute or two or something like that. And you think you're doing something and then you realize it's not even enabled. OK, so that's been something I've done before. And it's so embarrassing. Like, you know, it's kind of good that no one is around. You're just like a bedroom producer doing your thing. and You're like, oh, I'm an idiot. Right. So mixing in solo is very, very dangerous. Now, I'm not saying that you can't mix in solo. So, for example, let's say you're working with a kick drum in that track. 
And let's just say, you know, you want to solo it out just for like a, you know, a second or something like that. So you can solo it out, maybe work on some EQ and compression just quickly, and then always bring it back into the entire mix. Okay. That's really, really important. It's been a game changer for me because if you're mixing in solo, what's happening is you're actually tweaking this track, but you have no reference point. So you don't know where you're actually going with your adjustments and you really don't know what you're trying to achieve. But when you actually listen to that sound in context of the whole song, it gives you a reference point. You know, instantly you'll be like, oh, do you know what? Maybe I just need to boost some high on, the, on that kick drum to make the kind of click or kind of like beater sound stand out. Or maybe, you know, the low end isn't there or, or whatever. But it's really important that you are mixing in context of the whole song because you can make way more accurate judgment. And again, if you just want to quickly solo out a sound, work on it, and then bring it back into the mix, you can do that. But if you're soloing out an instrument, thinking that you have to solo it out, open up an EQ, you know, tweak it until you think it sounds good, and then you add it back into the mix, and you're like, this doesn't even suit the song anymore because, again, you had no reference point. So mixing with the entire song, super important. You can solo quickly to make some fine adjustments, but always bring it back to the mix. One more little bonus tip here is if you are having a problem with a certain instrument, but you can't find an instrument, a cool little trick is you can actually mute your instruments, you know, just just one by one. So, for example, let's say a pad. Okay, A pad is typically um, a problem instrument which clogs up a lot of frequencies and a lot of space so what i'll do is i'll just like you know like left click so in fl studio if you right click on um you know a mixer insert um i believe it kind of solos it out but if you left click it, it would just mute that individual insert so i would actually kind of go through my instruments and you know so for example if i'm listening to the mix and it's just like okay there's some instrument here which is really taking up the whole space of the song i'll go through and just left click to mute and I'll, so I'll mute and then unmute, mute, unmute until I find the instrument that's giving me problems. And then I'll actually start working on that instrument. Okay. That's kind of a cool little trick that I've found over the years. But again, so those are the three points. So level matching, make sure that, you know, the effect before and after. So when you turn it on and off, it's a fair volume comparison. It's going to be, it's going to help you so much. It's going to allow you to make way more accurate judgment in your mixes and wiser choices. The A and B comparison, not all plugins have this, but if it, if they do, really, really powerful just to try. You know, it kind of gives you two different versions to try. You know, it's like, do I want to be more aggressive or do I want to be, you know, in the case of a compressor, you know, having like a low threshold versus a high threshold, um, you know, it's just kind of a different approach to using that tool, okay? And then mixing in solo, it can be useful at times, but it can also be very, very dangerous, okay? So hopefully that helps you guys out gets you guys inspired and making wiser judgment in your mixes and masters. Again, 10 steps to become an FL Studio Pro. It's an eight hour long course. You guys can save 50% off by using the coupon 10 steps. That's one zero S T E P S. Just come to itsgratuitous.com. I'll also leave the link in the episode notes, you know, in the show notes here on my actual website. Um, you know, come check it out again. It goes super, super in depth. We actually, I actually draw on the screen. It was, it was, a, it was a really, really cool course, you know, just learning about the different gear, you know, for example, I got a new camera, I got a nice boom microphone. I had a green screen. I got new lights. 
Um, it just allowed me to create a really high quality course as well as give you guys a, uh, um, a great experience to learn education with this music production and kind of learn best practices. All right, I'm Gratuitous. Thanks for checking out the episode. Again, if you guys have any questions about music production in general or the course, the 10 steps to become an FL Studio Pro, you guys can reach me at hi, so that's H-I at itsgratuitous.com, okay? So thanks for tuning in. I'll talk to you guys in the next episode. Thanks for checking out the episode. If you had any questions, visit itsgratuitous.com slash podcast, select an episode and submit your question at the bottom of the page to the contact form. If you'd like to take my FL Studio courses, see my current studio and podcasting gear, read my books or are interested in lessons, visit the link itsgratuitous.com slash learning. That page will redirect you to more info and resources. I hope the best with your productions. I'm Gratuitous and I'll see you in the next episode.